Welcome to the Thirst for More podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Smitley, where we sit down and talk with strength coaches, personal trainers, nutritionalists, and other professionals in the fitness and strength and conditioning field to help athletes, parents, coaches, small business owners help level up their game to provide athletes and clients world-renowned success, either in the weight room, on the field, or on the platform. Enjoy today's episode. On episode two of the Thirst for More podcast, I sit down with strength coach Lucas White, who's the assistant athletic performance coach at San Jose State University. Me and Lucas met up at Indiana State University while he was there completing his graduate work underneath Dave McManus, and he came by my gym and trained there while he was in Terre Haute during his tenure there. You can give Lucas a follow on Instagram at strengthcoachwhite. That's at strength underscore coach underscore white. Luke is a high-energy guy, and I hope you can really get that from when I sat down and talked to him. He's got a ton of insight, really good dude, uh, one of the better guys that I've ever got the chance to get to know from the strength and conditioning field as a whole. So if you're in the San Jose State University area, swing by their weight room, reach out to my man Lucas, and, and see if you can chop it up with him. I think he's got a lot of good stuff. So hopefully you take some stuff from this episode. Thanks, and enjoy the show. Hey, coaches. Brandon, how you doing, man? Good, man. How you doing? I'm getting good. How are things going out there in California? Uh, it's it's good, man. Weather's great. Um, just moved into a new apartment, so I've been uh, just got settled in, and uh, you know we're trying to trying to do as best we can, just like every other staff in America. We're trying to take care of our uh, take care of our student athletes as best we can with the with the whole COVID nineteen situation going on. But other than that, we're we're doing all right. We're doing well. Good deal. Um, I would say that. Uh, you guys probably have it pretty rough considering you guys aren't able to go in the weight room. You know, got not only do you have your job taken, not essentially taken away from you, but, um, you know, you're having to work with kids remotely, 18, 19 to 22, 23-year-olds, probably at the absolute most. And I'm sure that communication is not only challenging, but, you know, the uh, it's a different landscape for sure. It's definitely something new, and no coach really has it figured out because no coach has really had to be in that situation. I mean, I know you guys send people home with stuff during the summer but it's a little bit different whenever spring sports are taken away and then you know who knows what's gonna happen summer and limbo land with football season it's gonna get probably a little while yeah um yeah. that's crazy man um but yeah things are going all right out here so um let me go ahead and just straight get to this and uh we can kind of ramble as we get going we got some good questions for you and i'm really excited to hear what um you have to say and what i know what you know, not only what I've learned from you already from just meeting with you, but what everyone else can kind of take away from you as well. So um, just tell us a little bit about how you got into collegiate strength and conditioning and, you know, what what really gets you going and, uh, you know, why you wake up every morning and love what you do. And so so I got into collegiate strength and conditioning. It was funny. So I started out uh, I started out as the uh, head, head high school strength coach uh, at uh, F.J. Wright's High School in Evansville, Indiana, where I'm originally from. And and uh, did that for about three years, um, and I got to thinking, like, man, there's, you know, there, there's got to be a, a, you know, a, a higher level that I can take this to. And for me, it was, I remember, you know, watching the watching college games on Saturdays, thinking, God, that'd be, that, that'd be awesome, be down the field with about 70, 80, 90 thousand people, you know, in 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 a, you know, in a stadium, everyone's going nuts, the energy's off the charts. Like, man, that would be, you know, on the outside thinking that'd be really cool. 
Um, and little did I know, you know, how my life would, would change once I got up in it and uh, really started to figure things out. But, um, or started to, you know, you know, starting to figure things out how this, you know, how this whole thing goes. But, uh, but yeah, so yeah, did that at FJ Rides High School in Evansville for uh, three years and then um, took a chance, had an opportunity to uh, go down to Mississippi State University and uh, intern with the football strength staff there um, under coach Nick Savage, uh, who is one of my, one of my favorite human beings I've ever met. Um, that staff was outstanding. Um, I had a chance to work there uh, as an unpaid intern for six months. Uh, and then from there, I uh, had a chance to go out to New Mexico State University in uh, Las Cruces, New Mexico. Uh, made it there about two weeks as an intern and then uh, was able to be elevated into uh, a payroll, uh, kind of like a part-time position. But um, we, all, we all know how that goes when you're trying to come up in the field. Uh, but, yeah, I had a chance to earn a paid position in New Mexico State. Um, I had an outstanding experience there where I worked with uh, football um, had a chance to be a part of uh, snapping the nation's uh, at that time, uh, snapping the nation's uh, longest bowl drought and uh, a bowl uh, win. Um, I think it was about 57 or 58 years, I believe. Um, we won the uh, the 2017 Arizona Bowl. We beat uh, Utah State in overtime. It was awesome, man. Uh, but yeah, I worked with football there. Um, also worked with uh, men's basketball. Got a chance to go to March Madness my first year there, which is we watched that from the bench. It was really neat. Um, and then let's see, worked with, I had to work with the pitching staff uh, with our baseball team. Uh, got a chance to you know be a part of a WAC, uh, uh, WAC conference title uh, season with that with that group. Great, great program, great group of guys. Um, had was fortunate enough to work with uh, with softball. Um, you know, be involved with you know two of their uh, their WAC title championship seasons. Again, another outstanding program. Um, I was just lucky to be around for. Uh, and then also had a chance to work cross country and track and field and uh, be a part of a, a WAC title um, season with with the women's cross country and, and again, uh, you know those, those teams were outstanding and and that was a that was a very important but very pivotal two years, um, not only professionally but personally as well. Um, and then from there, I had an opportunity to uh, have some some uh, some uh, fun interviews uh, that really gave me some confidence with some bigger schools, um, but you know. I, felt felt uh, short because of not having a master's degree and so um indiana state had a uh, they had a grad position grad assistant position open and i threw my name in the hat and luckily ended up uh, being chosen and had a chance to come back to indiana and stay in Terre Haute for just under a year and that's how we met i started coming over to thurston training but um yeah over indiana state we had a chance to work with football uh men's and women's track and field men's and women's cross country and then also worked with women's soccer um great group of kids I, I i miss that place every day man um but uh but yeah so that's that that's how i got involved um that's been my journey so far but really what what gets me going it really gets me up every morning why why i enjoy this field so much and and why i love what i do is when i was uh, so when i was in high school i was a decent uh high school athlete uh wasn't a world beater or anything like that i knew it wasn't gonna go sign any division one uh scholarships to go play sports and that was fine uh but I, it was just one of those things, man. Like I, I, I really, I excelled in the weight room and I enjoyed it a lot more than going to compete actually, uh, which is kind of counterintuitive, but, uh, but that, that's how it all started out. And, uh, you know, that was something that I felt that, you know, okay, I can, I can contribute. I can, you know, have a place at the table by the, you know, how well I did in the weight room. Um, uh, but I, I loved how it made me feel. Um, it was a place I did well at. Um, and then when I got into college, got into undergrad and went to uh, the university of Southern Indiana, uh, in Evansville, 
for undergrad and, and you know sport was gone and like well i like to train and so we just we just kept training and um and little did i know that you know through some of the harder times uh you know through college in my early 20s when you know parents got divorced um had a pretty nasty breakup with a with a longtime girlfriend of mine and uh and though it was, you know, I was starting to go down to a pretty dark place and, and the weight room was always that one constant that was there, um, you know, whenever, uh, when a lot of things were uncertain. And then when, you know, the period where I, shoot, man, I didn't talk to my dad for about six, a little over six years after my parents got divorced and that weighed heavily on me too. And, uh, but the weight room was a place that, you know, even you know, when I was feeling my worst, I could always turn to it uh, and it, it never turned its back on me. And you know, went, went through some pretty hard, hard times, you know, through early twenties. But then when I got into, you know, started you know, uh, maneuvering my way through the, the collegiate strength and conditioning ranks. I mean, anyone that's gone through it, they know how difficult that, you know, that this career path can be and that, you know, it, the, the field itself has a way of weeding, weeding those out that, that don't belong. And, and I'm thinking, okay, man, we're going to be going through this and there are going to be some days, there are going to be some really, really, really hard days, but, you know, the one thing that I could always count on was, hey, the weight, the weights are there. You know, I, I could always train, I could always take care of that, and I could always have that one constant, um, you know, uh, deal going in my life, especially whenever I needed to lean on it the most. Um, and I just uh, really what gets me going though is, I know I know what the weight room can do for people. I know the value that it can add to pe- to, to people's lives um, because it, it's added a lot of value to mine, um, and it's it's given me a it's really given me a purpose. It's given me something to latch on to um, and something that I, I, I love everything and all things strength, man. And the fact that I get to, I have an opportunity to, to share that um, with, you know, with, with collegiate athletes, with student athletes that are, you know, shoot 18 to 22, 23 years old, in some cases where, you know, they're very, very uh, uh, formative years um, and, and you can have a massive impact um, and a massive influence um, and, and, uh, fact that I get to share strength with you know that I've had a chance to share strength with all the teams and, and student athletes and coaches and um, you know and, and institutions that I've had the had the opportunity and the pleasure to, to coach at um, that, that that gets me excited again because I know the value that the weight room can bring the value uh, you know that the training can can bring to your life um, because it's it's done a lot for me and so uh, that's that that's why I get up in the morning because I, I think that I'm that that's a responsibility uh, and an obligation, something that I, I take on willfully is to, uh, to, to share strength, um, with everyone that, that I come across and, and hopefully be able to make that kind of impact and, uh, show them that, that this is something that can add value to your life long after your career as an athlete is over. Right. I think, uh, something that you said that was, that was really valuable in that is that you were not like a crazy all-star athlete. You know, you had to, you had to benefit from what you could and, you know, the weight room, kind of gave you that edge even though you might have not been the most athletic kid and you know you didn't get division one scholarship i didn't either um <laughs> and you know that i can really understand with that because that's why i started lifting was i mean i'm five one anyone that looks at me is like there's no way that guy has a future in basketball and i always <laughs> thought i did and i was like man I'm, I'm i was good i could handle the ball and i could shoot but you know as i got older and everyone just grew past me and i stayed the same size i was like all right well maybe this isn't the sport for me but I didn't exactly give up. I, I went to the weight room and worked, but then that's how I found wrestling. And I was like, man, you know, I'm strong for my size and you put me on a mat with somebody and I can use that to my advantage. Cause 
I started wrestling in freshman year, and that's yeah. way too late. You know, you talk to any good wrestler at the collegiate level, especially Big Ten, you know, where I went to undergrad, if, you, if you've not been wrestling since 8, 9, 10 years old, your yeah. chances of probably making that Division One team at the Big Ten, you know, the, those top 20 schools, that's definitely not going to happen. Um, the mat time is just really important, and, you know, the weight room was the place that I got to have that advantage. And as a freshman, I was able to walk into a room with three weeks of training and be a junior merely because I could just put him where I wanted him. I didn't know much, but he just couldn't fight that off. And so I can definitely understand how that weight room aspect gives you not only that mental confidence, but, you know, you can put that in your back pocket. And then, like you said, as you get older, while you may not have that uh, Division One experience, you know what it's like to have to work to be better. And that's the one thing I think a lot of college kids – don't realize they're used to being the stud and when they go into a room full of studs what are you going to do that's going to give you the advantage now obviously collegiate programs you know are investing in their athletes and making these you know basically mandatory at this point in the staying in the game but um the kids that obviously work the hardest in the weight room are usually rewarded with that on the field and, and nine times out of ten i'd be willing to bet based upon what you've seen so I, I totally I totally get that. I, I understand, and I would be really interested to see how many strength coaches, good strength coaches, do not have some kind of athletic background to where they they failed, to where they weren't a good athlete because, like you said, that having to work hard in the weight room can make you a really good person, and part of being a good strength coach is being a really good person because it's not necessarily the sets, the reps, the load, and the volume – you know, it's it's about communicating with those athletes and getting them to buy into what you're doing, whether it's the best thing that you have available. Like you said, when you're Mississippi State, you guys probably had a ton resource-wise, and yeah, then you're talking yeah. about a New Mexico State where the resources were pretty slim. So yeah, and yeah, it's funny you make you make a really good point because you know talking about you know having a you know not a lot of college, you know you'd be interested to see how many you know college strength coaches had a you know, or don't have a background in sports, and that's. Or at least you know background in collegiate sports and that's actually been a question that i've i've been asked uh several times um on interviews and actually got, i got asked it on a you know when i was interviewing out here at san jose state and you know the whole idea is that yeah you get you know if you you played say you're looking at college football right and you're like well okay you know do you have any experience as a collegiate football player no division one or division two whatever no i don't and and uh you know one of the questions i got asked was uh you know then how you know give us any give us your rationale of how you can you can say that, you know, that, that you can have an idea of what the guys are going through when they're training. And it's like, okay, you know, that's that, that, which, Hey, fair question, right? Fair question. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but where, you know, where I, I, my answer to that was, and always will be, okay. Yeah, you're right. I didn't play division one ball. Great. Uh, at the end of the day, though, like if I'm, you know, if I'm going to go get my teeth cleaned, I'm going to go see a dentist, right? If I'm going to get my oil changed, I'm going to go to the, go to the car shop and, you know, go to the mechanic, have them change the oil or, um, you know, if I want to have, you know, if I want to have a, a, an awesome dinner, guess what? I'm going to go to the place that make, that cooks the best food. And if you want to know how to get strong and get ready to go for sport, go, go find a strength coach, right? We're not trying to, we're not trying to find somebody that, you know, that, that knows what's going on in the field and, you know, can relate to it. It's like, look, man, or at least relate to that. But to me, it's, you know, we're, we're in the weight room and, uh, you know, we're trying to get these guys strong, get them fast, get them ready to go for, you know, for the demands of their sport. Uh, you know, you're going to go to a strength coach. And I think that's one of those deals where it's like, yeah, I, I may not have played in front of 70, 80, 90,000 people, but I've been under five, six, 700 pound barbells and I've been able to come out on the other side, uh, you know, with, you know, with, with a completed rep with a W um, and, and a healthy body. 
right? And so that's when we're looking at performance in the weight room, it's like, okay, do you want somebody that, you know, may have gotten under, you know, three, four, you know, 100 pounds or whatever because someone told them to do it? Or you want to get, you know, get with a coach that, you know, has willfully put themselves in that position without a, without not a single person telling them, hey, you need to go squat 700 pounds or, you know, or else you hear the consequences, right? It's no, we, you know, we've made that choice on our own and we know how to navigate those waters. So when it comes down to it, you know, do I know how they feel, you know, during sport? No, I don't because I was, I was never in that position, but I've been under some pretty heavy barbells, some in your gym. Um, and I think whenever you look at the experience and, and uh, you know, what, what a good strength coach that, that has you know, some skin in the game and that's got some time under a heavy barbell, they can help guide uh, those, you know, young men and women, you know, at the collegiate level, uh, you know, through those, through those waters uh, safely and effectively because they've been there in that, uh, in, in that environment and that, that arena and have come out on the other side, you know, better for it. So, um, yeah, that's the, again, that's something we hear all the time is that, well, you know, you got to know what they're going through. Well, I've been under those bars before I've been in those situations during training. So yeah, I, you know, any strength coach that has time under the bar, man, you know, they, they know what's going on. They know how at least that feels, you know what I'm saying? Right. Absolutely. And, uh, one of the things that I definitely wanted to talk to you about, um, you kind of segued into this for me was, you know, obviously you were at Indiana State coaching and then, you know, you walked into our doors um, through contact your mutual friend and Tyler Crooks, which Tyler's yeah. a great dude. And I hope I get Tyler on here because he's super insightful <laughs> as well. Um, but, you know, you came into Thurston and, and, and trained with the group of people that I happen to have in there and, you know, picking brains of everybody. And um, I think that's really, really cool. I'm not sure if there's necessarily a whole lot of coaches that would that would do that i mean because you're obviously around your 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 staff that you work with all the time and you guys are always talking but as i'm sure you know if you're around the same people too long you get kind of stuck in a mindset and you kind of forget about some of these avenues that are there and uh i know now that you're out in california you're training at boss barbell uh club where uh, dan green owns that um, and I just wanted to know, you know, what's that like being in there with Dan and that super strong crowd that he's got? And um, how is how is that whole experience, whether it be training at my gym or at Dan's? I also know you drove out there super training a couple times. How do you think that's helped you as a coach? And, you know, what what can you tell other coaches that maybe you're not considering doing like stuff like that every now and then, what they might be able to get out from it to, to help them be a better coach? That's a, oh, God, it's an awesome question. Think that's second how I want to articulate this. So, so what got what got me into thirst was that again was was Tyler Crooks and you know I I had gone a lot you know just been doing a lot of you know traditional training I was still doing quite a bit of weightlifting at the time um, you know bench squat clean would snatch every now and then do some jerks and I, I just I don't know man my body felt bad it just felt you know beat down I felt just like you know, training's going nowhere. And, and then, you know, I said, Tyler had, had gotten us in, in, uh, in contact together. And then, uh, Andrew Utterback, uh, was, I had class with him and, uh, he had a thirst shirt on one day and I was like, Hey man, you go, you go train over thirst. He's like, yeah, dude, you just come on over one night. And we had a, we had an off week with football. And so I remember I came over to, to squat with you guys or train you guys on a Friday night. And I'm like, man, this is, you know, I, that I think I hit like five fifteen, and I was like, "Man, that's that's the most weight I've had on my back in quite some time." And then and I was like, "Guess you know, first time I'd squat out of a monolift," and I was like, "Gosh, this is kind of neat." And you know, we started. Then you and I met. We started talking training, and and uh, it just kind of got me thinking, like, "Man, what do I got to do to get in this in in this uh, in this uh, venue in this gym?" Because 
I knew not only would it take, you know, my training to a new level and, and, and expose me to some different things. Uh, but I'm thinking, man, like, you know, th this could be, there could be some low hanging fruit, uh, that I might be able to be you know, well within reach of, uh, might be able to use, you know, some of these methods, um, you know, with, with some of the teams I coach. Um, and so that's what really what got me going, uh, into, into thirst and then, uh, picking your brain about, about the conjugate system and just training in general. I mean, you're know, asking questions, bouncing ideas and you know, sitting in a corner you know, where, where the wooden benches are at and, you know, just popping up about, about strength and, you know, training and, and, and all those nights at the gym and we all just got done, but those, those were great combos, man. But, uh, but yeah, I, I think that, so that's how I got, I got into thirst, how I got up in the, uh, in your place. But, um, when I got out here and, you know, I was trying to find somewhere to, to train, I, you know, I was going to the super training on, on Saturdays and doing you know, my, my uh, max effort lower, uh, training. I was like, God, man, it was, that place is awesome. Mark is cool. Chris Bell is cool. Everyone that works there is outstanding. Um, really awesome people. If you're in the area, you need and you need to go up to Super Training and, and check it out. Obviously, get in touch with them beforehand. You know, don't just drop in, but uh, you know, reach out to them. Um, and they're they're always like, yeah, man. Saturday, Sundays, they've got open gym going on, and it's it, it was a cool experience getting a chance to go up there and train and um, and, and just try stuff out. But uh, but then you know, having a chance to go once I found out how close Boss Barbell was, and I'm like, dude, I got an opportunity to go train, you know, at, at Dan Green's gym uh, over at Boss Barbell. And I was like, okay, what's, you know, what's it going to be? And, um, figured out what I had to do to get in and, and start training there. And I think that was that, that experience is outstanding because dude, you go in there any given time and you've got four world record holders training, you know, Dan Green, uh, Andrew Herbert, uh, Emily who, and Christy Hawkins. I mean, my God, Christy's stronger than, than any college football player I've ever coached. He is an absolute <laughs> brutal lifter, but I mean, if, you know, if we're looking around and, you know, 900 pound squat goes down, you know, at any given point in the night, we're like, this is this business as usual. Right. And so I know when uh, Andrew was training for uh, for a slingshot record breakers, that was just past November. I mean, he, he was pushing it. He would come in in the, in the evening and Dan would be training in there too. And you know, Christy would be in there. Emily would come in some, you know, some days like you know, early evening and got a chance to watch her bench um, and, and just be, but I think being around being in those environments, provide such an opportunity for, you know, especially for collegiate strength conditioning coaches, because, you know, I think the, 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 the value of absolute strength has kind of taken a hit over the last, I'd say 10 to 15 years. Um, and we forget how valuable strength is when you're talking about, you know, injury, uh, you know, injury reduction, keeping a healthy body, you know, augmenting performance. Um, we, we've, you know, we, sometimes it's easy to forget, uh, you know, how important that really is and really too, what strong really looks like. Right. Um, you know, you go in any, any facility and you're like, Oh, you got, you know, 300 pound bench, 400 pound squat. Hey, cool. But when you're around people that are in, you know, not just dudes, but people that are handling, I mean, you know, Dan's that are squatting seven, 800, 900 pounds, you know, Herbie sitting there taking 902 or 903, whatever it was for, for reps. Yeah. And we're sitting there spotting. It's like eight thirty, nine o'clock at night on a Monday. You know, and they, they've all got jobs and, you know, that, that they work through the day and, and come in and just, you know, grind it out and train as hard as they can. It's just kind of like as a strength coach, like, man, that is that that's what that's what strong really looks like. Right. You know, and so I think that that's the biggest the biggest benefit. Or really, there's two there's two benefits, I think, that um, go hand in hand. But one, that's an it's an awesome opportunity to to see what strength really, really looks like from a physical aspect, even from a mental aspect. Right. Um 
you know, because you know, how many times have we gone in the gym and, you know, seven, seven thirty, eight o'clock at night, and you're like, man, the last thing you want to do is, is squat or pull or, you know, do anything, anything like that. But, um, but you watch those people come in and, and do those type of things and, and do what they have to do. It's just like, God, it is, it it's beyond impressive, man. The fact that I, I have an opportunity to, to train alongside them is, uh, it's, it's one that I don't take for granted. Um, and, but I think with, you know, in that same breath, uh, I think it's a great opportunity for the, for, for me as a strength coach, especially at the collegiate levels, I'm the only college strength coach that goes up in there and trains. Um, and do I have a great facility at, at San Jose state? I could use sure. Absolutely. And every now and then, you know, if schedule permits and, and, you know, I've got something going on, got a lot of stuff to do. I'll, I'll catch one every now and then in our weight room, but uh, it, it's, it's nice to get out of the, get out of the room or the, you know, the, uh, the venue or the environment rather, uh, that, you know, that, that we're, you know, uh, I and our, me and our staff are looked at, you know, our staff and I are looked at the, uh, uh, as like the authority on all things strength, um, and condition related in that facility, which, you know, rightfully so we are the, we, we are members of the strength and conditioning staff. Um, but it gets, it, it provides me an opportunity to get out of my wheelhouse and get in somewhere where it's like, dude, you're, you're a blip on the radar, man. It is a, it is a lesson in humility every single time I go in there. <laughs> uh, but I think it, but it, it's been great, man. It, it's been good because it's like, okay. You know, you can't just go in someplace and like, Oh, I'm a division one strength coach work football. Great. Who cares? You got dudes that are out squatting, out squatting you by, you know, four, you know, three, four, 500 pounds in some cases. And it's like, yeah, you're right. Okay. And when you're around people that are the best in the world at what they do, it's okay, man. Like, you know, come in, train hard, but you better find a way to, uh, you know, to, to add value and to add something, bring something to this gym. Um, or else it's like, well, what, what are you really doing? Right. So right. I think, and you really to kind of narrow this down, it, it's been great because it's gotten me out of the wheelhouse and it's, you know, I, I've, I've, you know, experienced a lesson in humility. Um, you know, with like, okay, there, there's some, this is what strong looks like. Right. And so for me, it's been, it's been good to be able to keep that in perspective. Um, but I think too, and, th and this is something else that, you know, I think the more, you know, a lot of strength coaches do a good job of, but uh, from a social media presence and social media standpoint, you know, when, you know, when you, you've got, you, you follow the, you know, the uh, you know, athletes will follow you on Instagram and Twitter and all that stuff, you know, and it's, and I, I think that's a, that's a great way to build some, uh, build some rapport um, and, and build a little bit of trust, uh, you know, within the, within the teams and the kids you're coaching, because you know, you're, you're asking, Hey man, get under this bar, you know, bench it, you know, squat it, pull it, clean it, whatever the case is, right. You're, you're asking a whole lot of them from, from a training aspect, from a training standpoint. And it's kind of like, well, all right, man, well, coach, what are you doing? You know, what, what, what's going on with you? So I think the, you know, it's, I think that adds some value and that gives you a little bit of uh, it gives you some rapport, right. With, with, uh, with, with the athletes that you do coach, um, you know, they, they scroll through your Instagram. It's like, Hey man, you know, it's seven thirty, eight o'clock on a Monday night. Just got done with a 12, 13 hour day of coaching. And, you know, you got one of the, one of the coaches on staffs going up to you know, driving 20, 30 minutes away to, to a place in Mountain View and right. uh, is, is pushing it every night as hard as they can possibly go. And I think that kind of gives them an idea that, okay, we're, we, we've got, we've got a real one on our staff. Um, you know, and, and, and our other coaches on staff do a great job too. They, they train hard. Um, and I think that, that gives, uh, and they're knowledgeable guys. And I think that gives our, uh, that, that gives our staff, um, a lot of good rapport with our student athletes. And I think that goes a long way of, you know, strengthening that, that relationship, uh, that, that we do have, it gives it a lot of authenticity, 
that, Hey, we're, we're, we're going through some similar things and uh, we're, you know, we're doing it, you know, willfully, um, you know, without, you know, without being told. And, um, you know, whenever we go ask you to do something, it's, you know, Hey, we, we've been there, we know what it feels like, but we know how to guide you through and, and, uh, you know, using Instagram and Twitter and, and, you know, platforms like that gives, uh, gives you a chance to really prove that and show that. And that goes a long way with the rapport you build with your kids. Right. I, I, another thing that you just talked about was, um, you know, they, they see you training and they totally uh, can understand behind that. And you talked about the staff train mm-hmm. together. And I would say that probably in most cases than not, most collegiate staffs train together at least to some extent during the midday, at least whenever, you know, from my experience is what it was. Um, and we, at Thurs, it's a little bit hard being, you know, of a an actual semi-private facility. We're kind of limited to what we can do because, you know, we can't um, – we can't exactly train when our athletes are. We either got to do it when we're closed or if we're essentially off the clock, which, you know, I'm never off the clock, but, um, you know, if, if Andrew's off the clock. But we – I really like that I want our our young athletes to know that we we value that and we try to make time for it even for ourselves. Um, and I train usually when we're in session. I'm usually training around 1230 or 1 o'clock, maybe 130. It depends on when I can get in there. I got other stuff to do, and then usually when three o'clock rolls in, and kids start coming in after school, and I'm finishing up training, I think a lot of them like to see that, like you said, that you do training, you do decide to make time for that, um, and in, in the same token, that we we incentivize our interns to train by making it part of their internship process that they have to train with me and or Adrian at least once a week, and oh. it's not necessarily that you just have like somebody to lift, but it's like. Like you said, you're at Boss Barbell watching these lifts go down. It's it's almost like the strength rubs off onto your skin yeah. and, and it aids you. And that's what I want our interns to see is like, you know, I, I might be a good power lifter, sure, but it's not about just what I'm doing. I want you to watch like how I set up, you know, how do I, what am I doing to warm up? You know, because my warm up is going to be different than my athletes. That doesn't mean that my warm up's the greatest, but, you know, you might see something that you're not having to coach. So you might get some perspective that way, or you know, if I've only got an hour to train, for most powerlifters, that's usually deemed short. But I'm yeah. like, you know, hey, if I only got an hour, here's here's what I'm gonna do. It's gonna be a little bit more higher tempo, maybe some accessory stuff. But if there's something you can take away from it, because there's also different exercises you can take away from watching powerlifters or weightlifters as well. Yeah. And from a sports performance realm, especially with the kids that I work with. A lot of the stuff that I do, they don't do. You know, we're sticking with the basics with yeah. freaking ten to seventeen year olds. But um, yeah, I really like that you brought that up with the 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 training as a whole with just the staff and everything. Um, and I know something else that you kind of just briefly brought up um, yeah. about with the the kind of segmented into this too about the the conjugate system. And you know, we got to talking about that a lot whenever you were at Thirst and. Um, oh, yeah. like, so that's when we had a lot of those good talks. And yeah. um, I know that you've kind of really grabbed a hold of that. Um, and I know we've both read Nate Harvey's book. And I, I've already talked to Nate. And Nate's going to get on here at some point, too, and kind of talk about it. And um, I really just want to, you know, think, try to say how, um, since you've picked that up, how has that changed your ways that you've been training athletes in the past year-ish, year and a half since you I don't want to say adopted it because I'm sure you're not 1,000% behind it and that's all you yeah. do, but you're obviously taking certain principles from it and implementing it with your athletes. What? How has that changed the way you, you think when you're sitting down doing your your programming and coaching your kids up? Sure, that's, a, that, that's an excellent question. I think the biggest, 
Oh my God, that's man, there's a lot of package there. Uh, I think the biggest thing has been for me how simple it's made training and it's it's made planning, right? Because I I try I try to stay away from using the word programming because it's you know I think that's like a that, that's just a big buzzword that's right. in our profession. Right. I like to I'm starting to think okay what's you know what so what's your program what what's your plan right because when I think of when I think of training, I don't think of programs. I think of systems, and then what what's what's your plan within the system that you, as a coach, um, that that you run or what whatever you're about, right? So for me, it's been you know because early on when I I was looking at the conjugate system and I'm, I'm trying to trying to package all this and thinking, God, like this is because at the time I was you know getting involved with you know, with several different systems and and uh, you know methods that we uh, we put in place in New Mexico State and really had really had my eyes peeled back to wow there's a lot of you know if you want to do this at, a, at an incredibly high level uh there there are a lot of ways to skin the cat now i mean we ran oh my god we ran you know we had our, our newcomer program that was about four to five weeks um we ran uh a four-day strength power we uh did some stuff with some we did a lot of apre work uh from uh, that we got from dr man um uh, and then, my God, we would do a three-day undulating bench squat clean uh, split that was absolutely brutal, um, just a just an undulating model. But man, we saw it work with with all of our groups. Um, but then I started kind of looking at at a conjugate concurrent type system. Like, man, that's like that. That's pretty interesting, right? Um, but I didn't know a whole lot about it. And then whenever you know, I went to Thurston, you and I started sort of really chopping it up. Um, I think the first thing that really got me was like, my God, this is so simple if you understand training and you get with somebody who has made their living off of this system like like you you know you you've got a lot of experience with it um to say the very least um that you were able to break it down for me where i'm like god this is so simple so that's i say that because when you look at at you know like say like when i when i you know i plan or you know uh get ready for a max effort day whether that's you know an upper or lower um you know, I think we had, you had told me, like, hey, you know, if you're going to, you know, with, with, even with my own training, you know, hey, you know, in three weeks, you know, take a, take a heavy five, then take a heavy three, take a heavy one. And I'm like, well, okay. That, that makes sense. And they're like, well, what percentage? Like, well, just whatever you got for five, three or one, whichever week it is. I'm like, okay, I, I can do that. So I, for me, I'm thinking, God, that's, that, that's so simple, you know, and, and it was nice because it really got me back to thinking, okay, what do I really have in the tank? You know, and I think that's one of the big things that, you know, that Nate talks about, um, you know, in you is that you've got to, one of the hardest things, he said a couple times on some videos I've seen on YouTube, but, um, and I think Dave Tate maybe even talked about it as well, but that's, you know, getting, teaching people how to train instead of just uh, showing them how to go off of a card that has all your numbers programmed and uh, which you know, if you in that if that's the the type of system that you like to run, like you know, hey, I'm I'm no one. Who am I to, to say that you know that that doesn't work because it does, right? Any system is going to work. It's it's how you implement it. It's how you go about coaching it, right? Um, and what those standards are for you and your program and your staff, um, and that that you don't compromise those for for anybody or anything. So, um, but kind of going back on the question before I get sidetracked here, I think the the biggest thing that it's it's uh, it's helped me with is. Um, how simple it's made planning and getting ready for a, uh, for a team, uh, whether that's, uh, you know, whether it's an off season, like in a winter period, it's through a spring practice period or spring season period, it's summer, it's fall, it's a competitive year. 
Um, it, it is amazing to me how simple this system is to use and how and how effective it can be even in an, 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 uh, an in-season period um, when you're trying to maintain some strength, if not, maybe get a little bit, maybe get a little stronger. Um, but uh, it's, that, that's been the biggest thing is uh, it's made planning incredibly simple. Um, it's given me an opportunity to teach my athletes that I, I've coached how really how to train um, and what, you know, what straining really feels like, right? Um, what, what it feels like to have a heavy bar in your hands, heavy bar in your back, uh, but being able to strain and, and, and get, you know, get on the other side, uh, you know, safe and effectively. But um, that, that's been the biggest thing. It's, it's really simplified things for me. Um, and it's, again, it's taught, it's given me a chance to teach my, my, my kids how to, how to really train and how to make a call for themselves. Right. So if we've got, you know, for instance, when I was at Indiana state and I'm working with women's soccer and, you know, Hey, we're going to work up to work up to, you know, for, for a heavy single on a safety bar box squat. Okay, great. Uh, you know, I got one of the girls, you know, boom, she hits 185. Okay. How'd that feel? I was really good. I'm like, okay, you want to go, how's, you know, 195, 200. How's that feel? Like which one you feel good with? Let's go 200. Okay. So now you've essentially, as a coach, you've helped guide your athlete, right? To, you know, hey, here are two options. I think you could be good with either one. Which one do you feel confident with? And that gives them some ownership over their their training, right? Instead of being like, oh, this is what coach said. I got to do it regardless how I feel. It's like, nah, man, like, I, I want some feedback from you. How did that feel? Okay, yeah, I felt, felt good. I think I got, you know, I think I can go 200. Okay, boom, let's throw it on. Bust 200 out. And bar got bar slowed down a little bit more. Okay, what that you wouldn't go 210, 215. There's one more attempt in there, one, you want one more set in there. Let's go 210. Okay, great, cool. Air on the side of caution, boom, hit that and rack it. And so again, you've you you've given ownership of the tra- of training to the athlete. And I think there's that that's one of the things I like about it the most um, is that it 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 allows the athletes that are in that system to have some ownership, um, you know, and a voice uh, in their own training. Um, but even the two from a dynamic effort standpoint, that's been, that's been a great thing because, you know, if you go in and you, know, you bust it on Monday and Tuesday, um, you know, with, with some, you know, high volume, you know, on squatting and pressing your accessories, you just, just totally fried it out. And it's like, okay, well, what, you know, say you may take Wednesday off, but you got to come back on Thursday. What are you going to do? I mean, you're not going to try to put, you know, a you know, low between, you know, 70, 80, 85% know something for you know your high volume or you know still try to you know move some decent weight i mean you're probably gonna be pretty sore and fatigue's gonna be pretty high so for me the dynamic effort if you have that level of that base level of strength to display quickly um i think dynamic effort you know towards the end of the week um was something for me that was uh that that was very beneficial um because again we could get a lot of work done in a very short amount of time um we were able to steal a little conditioning uh from the the you go i go tempo and Typically time that out between 45 seconds to one minute, but uh, in a lot of cases, we were able to work between 30 and 40 seconds, right? And we know right. looking at a lot of, you know, uh, uh, field sports, that's that, that's very, very typical, right? 30 to 40 second rest, you know, four to six, seven seconds, um, you know, of activity. And, and that, you know, transpires for the course of, you know, a, cup, you know, a half or, you know, three quarters, four quarters, whatever the case is, whatever your sport is. Um, but that's, that's very indicative uh, to sport. Um, and I think that's something that, a lot of people kind of overlook is that this is direct correlation what goes out in the field from, you know, from, uh, from an energy, uh, energy consumption standpoint or uh, expenditure rather. So um, that was a great way to get, you know, Hey, let's do, we have a second day to press second day to squat. Um, but we're keeping the load light. We're keeping it fast. We're working both ends of the strength velocity curve. 
Um, and it gave me another opportunity, uh, you know, with some of the different, you know, lifts I was having our, our team do, uh, it gave me a chance to, hey, let's lighten the load up, but let's get, you know, let's get that same implement in their hands or on their backs. Um, and that way they can gain, you know, some more technical proficiency with it. Um, and that went a long, long, long way to helping out with the, mat, with the, the max effort work that we were doing. Um, but, but yeah, it's just, it, it just getting involved and, and kind of going down the, you know, the, with the system, it's, it really opened my eyes and my mind to, again, looking at, at training as you know, not necessarily programs, but looking at things as systems, um, you know, because you can take some flavors, you know, from, from conjugate, you can take some stuff from five, three, one, you can take some stuff from, you know, triphasic or French contract, whatever, whatever the case is, right. As long as you have a system in place, um, and you have a standard that, you know, this is how we're going to squat. This is how we're going to press. This is how, if you do Olympic lifts, this is how we're going to clean or snatch or jerk, whatever the case is, there's a certain standard, no matter what the exercise is of how it, it needs to be done. Um, and as long as you hold that, you can put, you can pull from any system that's out there. Right. Cause again, like I said earlier, anything's going to work, but, um, for me, it, it really was able to help me simplify training, make uh, planning a lot easier and a lot more efficient. It gave me a chance to uh, give some ownership to my athletes or to the athletes that I coached um, over their own training and really taught, you know, it took, it was an opportunity to teach them how to train. Um, and then too, at the, you know, with you, uh, at the end of the week gave me a chance, Hey, let's get a lot of work done in a very short amount of time. Let's get, you know, let's, let's still, you know, we can still press and still squat because the loads are light enough. We can again work the, you know, again, work both ends of the strength velocity curve. Um, but it really, at the end of the day, man, it, it made training fun. And I think that's what we're all about is you want to have something in place that you can coach effectively and coach it hard, uh, but make it something that's enjoyable for the athletes. And I think that system with the, um, with, with, you know, the way things are done and the amount of variation that you can use, um, within the conjugate system, I think it kept the interest of our athletes peaked. Um, and that made my job a lot easier, but there, there's a lot of good out of it. And yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's where, where it's, uh, it's really taken me. Um, right. and uh, even if, you know, say you're, you've got on, on your card, like, Hey man, we're going, you know, we've got, we're going to take, you know, 80% for a, you know, 82% for a, you know, set of five to seven for me, I'm kind of looking at, well, I don't really, I'm not so much worried about rep six and seven. I'm looking at how close can we get to that five? You know, how, right. how, how hard can we push an envelope? How close can we get to that, that true, you know, true top set of five, right? Because after that, it's okay. You know, you look at, you know, five chances of something going wrong as opposed to six or seven chances of something going wrong. I'm going to get, I'm going to push it as hard as I can to where that fifth rep is like, is it? And then I'm going to get, get them back in the rack where it's a bench or a squat um, and then start moving the needle, you know, from, from there on out. So um, that, that's how it's really influenced me and how it's, it's, it's shaped, you know, the way I look at training, the way I look at planning right now. Right. I think um, I know the one thing that you said that I really liked was that, you know, how it simplified stuff, but also how, um, you were able to kind of essentially plan a little bit easier. The The nice thing about that system as a whole is that no matter what time of year it is, you're not really running – if you run a – I would say you probably see a lot of block in, in college, and uh, you you got in most conjugate systems three to five weeks or generally your typical wave, so to speak. And it's super easy that as the season goes – you can adjust and ease those three and five week training sessions as you need to to get where you want to be. So, like you were saying, if you're in season, you know you, you know what in season is going to be. You know you know what your season looks like. So when you're in off season, you got your volume a little bit higher because you you know you you got them in the weight room not only more but practices are usually 
less. And as you get closer to season, you can start tailoring off that volume. But like you said, you can still keep the heavy work in so that the strength sticks around all year. And then you can still keep your dynamic work in. You just pull back on maybe a couple sets or, you know, maybe even drop the percentage just a little bit um, so that they can recover from, from practice and everything. But it's, like you said, it's super flexible. But I think the biggest thing that I saw whenever, you know, I spent time in college weight rooms was that if they used a percentage, the biggest thing I wondered was like, these are college kids, like you said, 18, 20, 23 years old. Some nights, especially, I'm sure you see it a lot on Fridays, especially in colleges out in California, you know, Thursday nights are a little bit wider, so they come in for a Friday lift, and they're if you're running off a percentage-based program, that 90% is probably 100% for the day for most yeah. of those kids. Yeah. And oh, yeah. I think it's just really hard to auto-regulate that percentage. I know you want to try to set a training max low, but if you've planned out an eight-week training phase – ideally the kids are going to get stronger every couple of weeks and your numbers are going to start to tick up. It's kind of hard to track what kids are making better progress than others. But like you said, with the, with the conjugate system, you just basically keep pushing on your heavy days and then you keep your dynamic waves relatively simple, so to speak. And you're using for the most part, most of your kids are going to be using around the same weight, every wave, unless if they make huge progress, you know, if you got a football player that sees a back squat go up 70 pounds, okay. Yeah. You got to use a little more weight on your speed work, but, um, like you said, that flexibility is super simple. And you were talking about the soccer, and that was another thing I wanted to talk to you about was uh, your work with women's soccer. I know you did that at ISU, and I know that you're also doing that out at San Jose State. Um, you know, we – I would say from a, a private gym for us, that is probably one of the sports in the Tarot area that we've not gotten into a whole lot. One of the main soccer kids that we have actually drives over an hour to come to us. And so I just wanted to pick your brain on – how you use that system with your soccer players, you know, what overall when you're training them, you know, what do you say, what's your underlying goal with your soccer female athletes? And then what, um, you know, from a, from a planning standpoint, what are you looking at in season, out of season, preseason? What are you trying to, to develop for these young ladies as you see them throughout the course of a year? Well, man, that's, that, that's an excellent question. So and I think, and, and to kind of, you know, add, add in a little bit more of, you know, kind of the previous question too, while answering this is that I think the big one of the one thing that, uh, that I use with women's soccer. And uh, I think that when I was at ISU and this is what really, uh, th- this is one thing that really started kind of shaping my, you know, my, my thought process on training was that, um, you know, with, with the bench and the squat, those were the two big, big lifts that we would track. Um, we were really trying to push. It got, I started getting to the point where I'm thinking, you know what, I, I've seen across all sports, right? We've seen, you know, athletes, regardless of the sport, take a set of, you know, like a, a, an AMRAP, right? Or you're going to try, hey, get, you know, five plus, eight plus, right? We're, you know, sets of 10, whatever, you know, on a, on a bench or a squat. And it's like, look, man, when, when fatigue really starts sitting in and you've got a, you know, a big multi-joint compound movement like that, where, you know, if, if you know, the slightest bit of fatigue starts to throw even just a, the, the slightest thing off, like, you know, we start to see the knees cave in on the squat. We start to get tilted over, get folded over. It's like, man, that, you know, the fatigue is, is really starting to set in on a big lift that we're really trying to push. Uh, and to me, I'm looking at that as, man, that that's that's a recipe for a lot of stuff to go wrong. So where I started, you know, giving and started looking at with training was uh, with women's soccer at ISU. was like, okay, let's, let, let's work to this top set of five, three or one, whatever the case is, right, whatever variation that we are using that week or there, that, that wave, rather. And, uh, and from there, like that was, that, that's it. We're, we're done with the main lift. We, we accomplished what we needed to accomplish 
and let's shut it down and I will get my volume elsewhere. I'll get it on, you know, like, you know, secondary product, dumbbell work, uh, pull-ups, pull-downs, rows, um, single leg work, hamstrings, uh, you know, that, that's where, you know, that, that's where I would get a lot of, a lot of extra volume that, um, you know, is, is typically a little bit of a, you know, a conversation point when I'm talking to other coaches about, um, you know, utilizing that system. Um, they're like, well, it's not a whole lot of volume on the, on the main list. Like, well, I mean, on the max every day, you're not, you're not trying to take, you know, really a, a 10 rep max, right? I mean, the whole point of it is to, you know, is to strain, right? Teach athletes how to strain and, yep. um, you know, try to at least touch 90 if you're running a, a true conjugate, you know, type, type of deal. And if, you know, if, if, you know, hopefully, you know, set a new rep, you know, at least touch hundred, you know, at least touch 90, hit a hundred percent and maybe, you know, go, go set a new record, right. On the various things you're using. But um, with the way that I would wave it out, I looked at it as, okay, we, you know, that first week it's a, you know, Hey, top set of five. It's just, it's a great chance to, you know, gain some technical proficiency, uh, get a feel, get, you know, get their feet wet on, you know, whether it's a safety bar box squat, it's a front box squat. If it's, you know, a close grip bench, a floor press, whatever the case is. So I would use that first week as, you know, a little higher volume, no big deal, but we're still able to gain some technical proficiency. And then for me, that gave me an idea of, okay, you know, they were able to get this, this weight for five. That's roughly about 85% of a one rep max. And then that gave me an idea, hey, here's where the triple may be. Here's where their heavy single might be able to be at, right? Um, and so for me, it was nice because it gave me a roadmap of, you know, things to, you know, or, you know, attend or loads to suggest once we got up to those, you know, weeks of heavy threes and heavy ones. But, um, but yeah, we're working with, working with, uh, with, with women's soccer out at, you know, at Indiana state. And then now out here at San Jose state it has been, has been great. Um, I think that if you're, if you're a male coach, um, within collegiate strength and conditioning, I think being able to, to effectively coach and build rapport with the women's teams is huge and it will make you a better coach, right? It, it will make you a much better coach, um, and that, that's what it's done for me over the last, you know, year and a half, two years, um, you know, working with, with women's teams everywhere I've been at. Um, but, but, but especially with soccer, what I'm, my main goal with them is because when you look at, you look at soccer, right. Whether it's men's or women's, what are the, you know, they, they, they t- they've typically been playing the sport um, since they were, you know, four or five, six years old, right. Very young. And so when you get to the college level, you know, you're looking, you know, you're anywhere between 18 to 22 years old. Well, that's essentially you're looking at, you know, 14 to 14, 15, 16 years of, of playing soccer. And what we all know we do in soccer, we run a lot. There is a ton of running in soccer. Well, you want to know why you've got all these, you know, we see a lot of hips, ankles, knees, groins, hamstrings, lower backs, right? Well, what's the, what, what's the one place they haven't spent much time much time in, if at all, it's the weight room. So when you look at the the the, the, the strength uh, the strength deficit um, across the board um, in, in 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 soccer in general, I think that that's a massive glaring hole. Um, you know, so for me, it's uh, you know I, I'm trying, especially in an off season period, I'm trying to get as much out of uh, that time period as humanly possible. I'm trying to take their 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 absolute strength as high as I can because I know once we get into the summer months. Um, and then we get into into fall camp and into into the season, uh, the, the the volume of running is going to crank up. It to meet the demands of of sport, it absolutely has to. There's no way around it. As big of a, a big, as big of a you know proponent of strength as I am, I know that's going to set the base. But if you're going to be playing a sport such as soccer, like you you need to be you know, aerobically, you need to be fit. There's there's no denying that. But I think where 
um, where, where the weight room, weight room can help is that it can prepare the athletes for whenever we do, you know, we, when we transition into, uh, you know, that, uh, those periods of, of higher running and higher field work, you know, higher times of field work. Uh, I think, you know, having a, a, a very, uh, you know, robust level, uh, base level of strength, uh, can prepare the body for that type of workload. Um, and that way, you know, the, 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 the conditioning that you do in the field work that you do, and then also too with practice with, you know, that, that our coaching staff, uh, take, takes our kids through, or, uh, you know, uh, takes our girls through rather. Um, now all of a sudden you're, you're having more efficient, more productive sessions out in the field, which that's where it's really, it's really going to show up. So I think with, with, with really with a lot of teams I coach, it's, you know, Hey, let, let's, let's get, let's get a robust, uh, level of strength built, right? A base of strength because everything else is going to, you know, is, is going to stack up and layer on from there. So, um, yeah, whether it's, especially if it's out of season, if it's in season, um, you know, it, it, off season, we're trying to, like I said, we're trying to push needles as hard as we can from a strength standpoint. Um, once we start to get to an in season period, you know, maybe every, you know, third or fourth week, Hey, let's, let, let's be able to touch you know, on this first, you know, this say, Hey, you know, week four, boom, let's be at least be able to touch, you know, 80% for a triple and then, okay. You know, boom, maybe that, you know, a couple more weeks down the road, same, you know, week eight, let's be able to touch 85 for a double. And then, you know, you go on a week, uh, you know, week 12, uh, let's build touching, you know, 87 or 90 or whatever, a single or whatever the case is, um, you know, that that's pretty aggressive, but that's the kind of thought process. Like, you know, don't, don't feel like you got to hammer them down, you know, so hard, um, you know, through, through that season, have some markers that you're looking at, um, you know, that, that you could, uh, that you could, you know, look at and like, okay, cool. We're able to hit this at this point in the season. We're from a strength standpoint, we're good. You know, and whether it's, Hey, you know, we're going to, uh, like I said, you may have two two times during the in season period. That's something that's safe, something that's that's effective, and that gives you the feedback as a coach um, that uh, that that you need, that you're looking for. Um, you know, I think I think you implement implement that. And, and for me, it was as long as hey, as long as certain points of the year we can touch, you know, an eighty percent load, uh, I'm good. Because for me, and in, in, in just my experience, that's been the base that you know I've looked at. And if we have trouble touching that, you know, that that load, whether it's on a you know a max effort day. Um, you know, in an in-season period, if we're, if we can't hit that, like, okay, we've got a, we've got a serious issue uh, going on. And then that, that also opens up a conversation with the athlete. Hey, what's, what's going on? Are you, are you okay? Um, but, but yeah, typically, yeah, in season, that's, you know, I'm trying to have, you know, one or two markers throughout the year that, Hey, as long as we're able to hit these, we're good. I'll keep everything else dynamic in nature. Um, you know, that way you, you can keep fatigue at a, at a bare minimum because they're getting plenty outside of, with practice, with games, with travel, um, you know, especially with academics and social life, there's a lot these that these kids are trying to juggle and trying to deal with. So for me, it's, you know, hey, let's look at a, a full season. Okay, great. I'm going to have my two, uh, you know, my, my two uh, uh, weeks where I'm going to try to hit something, you know, eight, between 80 and 85. Okay, we're good to go. We hit that, boom, everything else is going to be dynamic in nature from a lower half standpoint. Upper half, we can push that a little bit more um, just because they're not, you know, they, they don't run on their arms all day long. <laughs> you, know, right. you, can still, you can still get some good strength gains from the upper half, but um, but, but yeah, really, man, it's just trying the best we can. Let's bolster that body up. Let's get strong. Um, and let's get it ready for the demands of, of an in-season period. But, uh, but yeah, that's, that's essentially what I'm looking for. And, um, and it's fun. It's been fun because here, so here I've had three days in our off-season period before, <laughs> before COVID really shut things down. Um, you know, we were able to, uh, able to go Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And so all I did there was I just rotated efforts. So we would have, you know, we would have uh, one week where we would have, you know, two upper body days and one lower body day. 
And then we would have another week where we had two lower body days and one upper body day. And we just, I just kept rotating things out that way. And, um, and it, it was working well. We really, we started seeing, uh, we started seeing some movement, um, you know, on, on squats, on presses, um, you know, and then we on you know, like our, uh, uh, weighted chins, uh, barbell rows, our hamstring work, a lot of those, you know, a lot of those values and numbers started going up too and thinking, okay, we're, you know, we're, we're, we're getting somewhere with this group. Um, and then, you know, COVID came around and shut it down. So, um, but even then at, at Indiana state, you know, I had four days, I was, I was lucky enough to have four, four days a week with that group, um, where we ran two max effort days early in the week and the two dynamic effort days later in the week. Uh, and, and again, was able to put together a, um, th- th- those girls put together an absolutely amazing semester of work. I mean, they came in and got after it every single day. And, and our, our girls here at San Jose state do the same thing. They are, they're about it, man. They're, they're legit. Um, and it's, you know, whatever, whatever you ask of them. Okay. How hard, you know, how, how hard I got to go, like give what you can give and say less. They, they are out an outstanding group of young women. Um, but, but yeah, essentially with women's soccer, in my mind, I'm trying to drive absolute strength up as best as I can while again, you know, keeping safety in mind, right. Because they're, they're not strength athletes. They're not going to grab a rack and put it out on the field and go, go bench squat deadlift or do a clean. Right. And like, well, whoever you know, puts up, you know, has the biggest total is going to win the match. We're just going to play for fun. Right. We're trying to use the weight room as a tool to augment what goes on, uh, you know, during, during competition on game day. Um, and then hopefully you'll know, keep the body healthy and strong, you know, as we get deeper off into the competitive season. But, uh, if you keep that in mind and you keep safety in, in, you know, in the front of your mind, uh, during training, especially during that time, you, you, you can't go wrong. But for me, I'm trying to build as much and keep as much strength as I possibly can, um, with, with women's soccer. Oh, that's really good. Um, I definitely know with the, the couple soccer kids that we've worked with, we definitely noticed that, like you said, they, they start soccer early. The soccer is notorious for just, you know, sports specification and, yep. uh, that was the probably the number one thing is I mean, the difference mainly between you and me. You're at the collegiate program, and so you're talking with sport coaches, and so you're trying to give the sport coach what they want. And yeah. at, luckily, at your level, you know the kids have the work ethic. You know you wouldn't be a Division One athlete if you didn't have the work ethic. You know, cool. very rarely is that kid that's just absolutely genetically freakish, never had to work for anything, gonna walk mm-hmm. in your weight room at the Division One level. Everyone's got a work ethic to some degree. Some got a little more. But, um, you know, in the private sector, we see that, you know, parents come to us and like, you know, Jimmy needs to be faster and more explosive. And it's like, okay, yeah, you're probably right. He probably does. And then you watch him do a cut and you, you watch his knees practically touch each other, or his, his ankles practically roll, and he, he can't sit into his hip socket and use his glutes and his hamstrings. And it's like no wonder why your kid isn't fast is because every time he goes to take a step and plant – he's got a giant energy leak down the system from his mm-hmm. foot all the way up into his hip. And then even his torso, you talked about low backs. I think that's a good thing. You know, I think they also talk about more core strength and like, yeah, a lot of kids do need that, but you know, you got your kids laying on the field doing 50 crunches that that's not cutting it. You know, we need to, we need oh. to actually get that torso loaded up heavy so that when they make that cut with yeah. that max force and that max velocity playing into the ground, they're able to transport, transport it, efficiently from ground to torso and you know eventually into a ball or maybe even a body for that example if they're having to, to you know check somebody um so that was that was good and that kind of wanted to get me to my next point you know, I'm ta- i work with parents a lot more yeah which is a little bit different you know i, I got to make a sell to some extent but you know i i know that the strength 
while it may not initially sell, once they get a little stronger and they're no longer tripping over their feet and they run faster, parents kind of buy it. Um, And that's why I like, you know, part of this is to help inform parents too. You know, we hope that we get parents to listen to this. Um, But, um, you know, you're working with the sport coaches. What, how do you work about going and getting buy-in from your sport coaches? I know that's definitely probably one of the biggest challenges in collegiate strength and conditioning because, I mean, let's face it, strength coaches for the most part are underpaid, overworked. Um, You know, you're kind of at the bottom of the total pole from an athletic administrative administration standpoint and you got to work with that coach and you got to kind of meet them a little bit in the middle so to speak but you're going to have your touch tough coaches and then you got your other coaches that you know are are totally buy it in they're like you know you're the strength coach you whatever you think's best i'm going to buy in as long as i can get the results that i want so what how do you go about getting buy-in from your sport coaches awesome excellent question so i think first and foremost the, the biggest thing is uh is is the relationship that you build with with that sport coach that that's going to set the groundwork um and give you an idea if um you know your your words are going to be taken seriously as, as as a strength coach so i think first and foremost that that has to be that has to be you know an immediate uh an immediate uh you know need from from the jump so i think i think when you go in with you know, with the attitude that, you know, and, and which is, you know, every, you know, I think everyone should have, have a similar viewpoint on this is that, you know, we're, we're here for the kids, right? We're not here to, you know, stroke our own egos or, you know, oh, my, my program's better than yours. Or, you know, when I was playing, this is what I did. It's like, no, man, we, we need to look, we, we, we're all here for the kids, right? And we all want to take this thing to the highest level we can possibly take it. I understand that, you know, our and I've been very fortunate over the last, you know, several years with the schools I've been at, the sport coaches I've had the opportunity to work with uh, have been have been outstanding. I can't say enough good things about the sport coaches I've had the pleasure to work with um, because they've they've you know more or less let me do my thing um, and let me be the strength coach. Um, but I think at the end of the day, you you do need to you know keep keep their you know their their expectations in mind. Um, you know, and if there's, you know, a coach like, Hey, like for instance, our, our track coach at New Mexico state almost made the, the U S Olympic team in the discus. Uh, I think dude might know a thing or two about training. So, um, you know, when I was chatting with him, he's like, Hey, you know, I'll let you, you know, do your thing, but here are a couple things that, you know, I'd, I'd really like to see within, within the, within the, the system you run and what you, what your plan is with our girls. Uh, you know, you think you'd work a couple of these in sure. No problem, coach. I can figure it out. Um, and then essentially you treat it like a, like, like accessory work. Right. Uh, but I think the biggest thing that, you know, we, we need to keep, keep in mind is the, the, you know, the relationship you build with, with, with the sport coaches you work with. Um, and you have to, you have to really, really invest in that relationship. It can't just be a, you know, once a month, Oh, how you doing coach? All right, cool. You know, I'll talk to you in a month right before the, you know, we get ready to start the season. It's not like you, you know, text them, call them, you know, be in the loop, you know, go have lunch with them. You know, uh, you see them at, at functions that are, you know, you know uh, uh, for the university you're at, um, you know, make, make it a point to go up and, and you know, chat it up. Um, and because that that's going to go so far. It's going to go so far in helping you, as a, especially if you're a college strength coach. It's going to do a lot to help you have a voice whenever really, you know, we have to come down and, and talk about the nuts and bolts of getting ready for, a you know, a certain pe- you know, time period throughout the year, whether it's, your off season, your your in season, your summer, whatever the case is, um, you know, because they they feel like okay, we you know they, he's got the you know, he or she has our you know the, our our team's best interest in mind, um, 
he has a, you know, he or she, uh, whoever the coaches, strength coaches has a different skill set uh, than we do as sport coaches. Um, but also too, I think that's, you know, that, that's a big deal you know, on the, on the, on the strength coaches side is that, you know, yeah, if you were a, you know, a football player at one point, you're not going to go out on foot and football practice and start coaching up, you know, the position you played. Right. And, and, uh, you know, we, I, I would never, I, I would never get out of my lane like that. I know what my job is, what my role is and what I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm very good at. Um, and that's getting people stronger, getting them ready for sport. Um, and so that's where I'm going to put my focus and my energy. I'm not going to try to, you know, dip into, you know, our sport coaches, what they're doing with practice, what our athletic training staff is doing sports med. Like that's, that, that's a whole other animal. Um, you know, I, I try to stay, I have a good relationship and, and, uh, you know, am, am in the loop with a lot, with everything that goes on, uh, you know, from a sports medicine standpoint with, with the teams I work with and the, the athletic trainers I work with, but, um, with it, with sport coaches, I think the biggest thing to, to get buy-in is again, you get, you have to build a relationship, you have to build rapport and you have to build trust. And that does take a little time, right? It's, it's going to take a minute. Um, but yeah, slowly but surely get that done and you'd be surprised uh, at how much smoother and how much more pleasant those conversations really are. Um, and then too, I think you have, you have to know what you're, you know, what, what you're talking about, right? You can't just come in, Oh, we're, you know, and start throwing, Oh, we're going to do this percentage and this percentage and these sets and these reps and blah, blah, blah. It's like, nah, man, you need to have a systematic approach and a plan of, Hey, here's what our off our off season period is going to look like. Then here's what the transition into a spring season is going to look like. Here's what the summer is going to look like. Here's what, you know, fall camp is going to look like. And then our in season, here's what it's going to look like. And you don't have to have everything, you know, Matt, like, you know, to the T, but be able to show them a roadmap of, Hey, here's where we're going to start. Here's where we're going to end. And here's what it's going to look like once we're in the competitive season. Right. Um, so I think the first and foremost, it starts with the relationship. It starts with the trust uh, that you build with those coaches. Um, and then also too, you, you have to be able to give a little bit, right? Because we, we, we all know the sport coach that, um, you know, may have competed at a high level, um, you know, back in the day and, and, or even just so much as recently as a couple of years and, uh, like, Hey, you know, when I was you know competing for the national team, here's something we did. Can, can this fit in? And you look at it, like, okay, sure. Yeah. We can find a way to, to, I can find a way to make it fit in with what we do. No problem. And I think that's when you as a coach have to be, uh, you know, rock solid in what you believe in and what, what your, what your system is and what your standards are and find a way to, you know, make their wants and needs a priority, right. As a, you know, from, from a sport coach standpoint, um, but still make it safe, make it effective and make it fit within what you're doing uh, within the weight room, within your system. I think if you're able to do that, uh, you'd be surprised how easy, um, how easy it really can be when, when you enter those conversations, but yeah, I mean, be, you know, trust relationship, build a rapport, be rock solid in what you believe in, and show them, show them a map and, you know, of, of where it roadmap of where it's going to go and how this can help, you know, the, uh, the team that, that you're being asked to work with. Yeah, that's, that's really good. That's essentially, you know, at the semi-private level, that's what we have to do too. When we talk to, to parents, you know, they come in and, you know, John wants to add three inches on his vertical and, you know, you know, why, why are we not doing, you know, all these weird jumps and stuff that, you know, you're seeing, LeBron James do or you know any of these other basketball players right now and you know it's like it's it's not that we can't do some of these but you know did did LeBron James do these crazy jumps when he was 12 you know you know probably not so 
let's let's keep in mind that the age group that we for us anyways the age group that we're working with and it's like you know well we will get you there you know especially if you're going to give us the long-term buy-in a couple years at this point trust me you'll be amazed what your kid will be able to do but you know i like um, i'm glad we're kind of circling around to this because it's kind of what i wanted to end on too was that um like you said you want to grab that that low-hanging fruit and that's with the with the kids that we work with that's 100 percent true most of the kids that we have that do come in have any kind of experience what what we're seeing is just like you know why why are you doing some of this stuff that that's just absolutely ridiculous right now for your training age you know we can do this simple stuff and just get really good at it and you know tell mom and dad you know just just give me a little bit to work with you know i'm going to get you what you want i'm going to get your jumps i'm going to get your throws i'm going to get your balance out of the single leg work i'm going to get you plenty of ab work because we do a ton of unilateral and like offset loading i think you know it's not the ab work that parents want to see like planks but you know have an offset goblet hold and carry that for 50 yards and tell me how hard your abs are contracting you know you you know the the parents don't see it but the kid feels it they're like man my freaking trunk is rock solid right now coach and uh that's probably our biggest thing i i you were you know you were at thirst at a good time when you saw uh nathan come in you know kind of as a as a a pudgy seventh grader and you know movement quality was abysmal and and now before covid you know, we had a kid that couldn't do a bodyweight squat, and he's box squatting in the threes for five, you know, at 14 years old. And yeah. I, I think that, you know, that kind of goes to show that if you can just give me a little bit, and, and you know, Nathan, Nathan's dad has admitted multiple times, like, man, every time my son came to work with you for the first couple months, he's like, man, I don't know how this is going to make my kid a better athlete. Like, this stuff looks so easy. You know, my kid's saying he's sore, but I'm thinking, you know, maybe, maybe he's just trying to – um, you know, kind of make him feel it a little bit, but he's like, now that I look back, he's like, man, the, the journey of that, I'm glad I listened to you and, and gave you a little bit of ownership, but you also gave me what he wanted. Cause I told him too, I said, you know, we do meet you in the middle. We, we're going to give you some of those prowler sprints and stuff like that. And yep. that, that communication and that trust is really, really good. And the last thing that kind of brought me back to you that I wanted to talk to you with, which is the you're good saying the the high quality juice. Can you oh, wow. uh, before we get off of here? Can you kind of for people that don't know, Lucas has got this high quality juice hashtag. It's absolutely awesome. I every time I see it, I love it. I love it when I see it on the bench at our gym. So Lucas signed our bench with some. We have it for mottos, basically for kids to kind of read and check out. And uh, can you kind of just give us an idea of first of all. I guess let people know what the saying is and then kind of like where you got it. And um, then we'll kind of wrap up after that. Yeah, man. So, so the hashtag is high quality juice. And I think what, uh, I think what I wrote on the bench was you got to reach for the low hanging fruit. If you want to get the high quality juice, I think it was something like that. Yeah. Uh, but where I, you know, it's funny because where that came in. So I was in New Mexico. This is so funny. We're talking about this. This is great. When I was in New Mexico at a uh, New Mexico state, um, I had a chance to work under Don Decker, and he is uh, one of the one of the best I've ever been around. Uh, a guy that that's been he's been in the game a long time, but um, he really he really invested in me for the two years that I was under him. Um, with some, some hard days, uh, but uh, I, I was much better for it. But um, there was just a stand when he talked about the standard, right? It was. 
you know, because you, you, you look all you look around on videos on YouTube all the time or Instagram or, you know, whatever social media outlet is, is, you know, spewing out, you know, highlight tapes of, of training and, and, and not, and not just football. I mean, regardless of the sport, how many times have you gone on and seen just, you know, these horrendous squats, these terrible cleans, uh, you know, hips and butts coming way up off the bench on the, on a press, just stuff that, you know, to, to the people that have been around long enough, like, man, this, this isn't it. This is not effective. This is not safe. Um, there, there is very little to no standard wherever this is. So that was something that, that coach Decker, you know, really instilled in, in, in our staff was that, you know, there's, whether we press, we squat, we clean, um, we're doing chins, even down to like how we did single leg RDLs include ham races and even like how, you know, the warm up went. Um, just it, there was not a single thing that went uncoached um, whenever we were uh, whenever when we were there, and and still is that way. I mean, I'm, I still stay in touch with guys that work there, and and it, it doesn't change. And that was that was one good thing about you know, of all the good things of, of Coach Decker. That was probably one of the things I, I appreciated the most was um, that every single day you knew what you were getting and you knew what the expectation was. Was it hard to coach to? Absolutely. It, it was it was hard because. If you saw a knee, you know, slide forward even just slightly on a squat, um, if you know a clean wasn't caught, you know, exactly right. I mean, this this dude could see it. And I remember I me being all the way down at the one end of the weight room, and he's down at the other far end, and we're talking like, my God, we're talking, you know, eight racks, eight racks and platforms between us, and with a group of you know thirty-five to forty, you know, college football players, and you know five or yeah, five coaches on the floor. And this dude could see right through all of it to somebody who wasn't wasn't squatting exactly the way he wanted it done. And I remember he would just come down and and he he would uh, uh he would develop me from there <laughs> on coach. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, so anyways, to where the high quality juice came from. So I remember I had applied for a for a position at a Big Ten school. I won't say which one. Um, and I had a, a, a Skype interview. And I remember sitting down with one of our assistants that knew a little bit about the coach that was there at the time and uh, knew a little, a little bit about that staff. And he did recall that one of his, uh, one of his colleagues in the field interviewed with another coach that came from that particular tree. And one of the, uh, one of the questions that they were asked was uh, describe your coaching style or your presence in three words or less. And I'm thinking, Oh my God, I have no clue. And then I, I'm sitting in my living room. I'm getting ready to do this thing, and all of a sudden, I'm like, "High quality juice." That is that though. That's that's it because I feel like that's one thing I do very well is I do bring energy, um, and I do bring a presence with wherever I'm at, and which with whichever team I'm with, it doesn't matter. I feel like I do a good job of that. Um, but at the end of the day. I didn't want to be viewed as one of those strength coaches that is just it's just essentially like a hype man, right? It's uh, you know the the juice is going to be brought. There's going to be plenty of energy, no question about it. But how are you directing that? How are you using that energy? Right? Are you are you you know encouraging you know poor technique, poor mechanics, um, you know sloppy training, or are you using that using that juice and that energy? Are you directing it to you know, cueing guys? Are you using it to get people in the right positions? Um, get you know. Uh, use it to keep people safe, right? Giving great cues um, and, and, and leading a small group effectively, right? And being, you know, confident and rock solid and stable in what you believe in um, and, and the direction you want to take your group. So um, for me, I'm like, man, that's, 
that that'd be pretty good. And so uh, the the question never came, which really sucked. I was I was waiting for it, but um, but from there on, like, man, if that's you know if that's a that's the type of presence that you know I want to be known for is that you know it's it's a coach that that gives great energy, um, but directs it in the, the directs the energy in the right ways um, and to the right areas um, and uses it to get you know get the, the athletes that he coaches um, you know into great positions um, into uh, in, uh, in in safe spots. Um, but at the end of the day, um, it shows that he cares, right? And it's not just a, oh yeah, let's get hype about, you know, someone, you know, squatting, you know, a, a big, you know, five, 600 pounds, but it looks terrible, right? Like I'll, you know, it's, it's not sit back, open knees up, you know, you know, chest high, head back into the bar, you know, it's di different things like that, right? Different cues, but it, it's how you project those cues. And it's how you, um, you, you, uh, direct that energy. Um, you know, are you just being a, being a guy or being a coach just to, you know, to scream and yell, just to scream and yell, or are you doing something, you know, high quality and effective with the energy that you're bringing to the room? Um, and are you doing it for the sake of, of the development of, of the kids that you coach? Um, so that's, that's essentially how high quality juice came about. And, uh, that's, that's what it means. So when you see that it's, um, now hopefully anyone that's listening and you do scroll my Instagram and, and see all my you know, all the fun videos and pictures and stuff. Um, and you see all the, you know, the high quality juice hashtags, that's, you have a better idea of what, it, of, of what it means. It's, you know, Hey, have great energy, but use it in the right way and use it to get your kids in safe positions and teach them how to train, um, and show them that you care. Yeah, that's, that's a great, I think a lot of people, um, that are in coaching just in general, like that, that idea of high quality juice because I, I will admit I'm not a super hype coach it's just not it's not who I am I'm pretty laid back but uh, if I if I got to bring it for a kid I definitely will but the the high quality the aspect of it is definitely something that I think a lot of people need to be reminded of and that um, any I think anyone and that's why I was really when we started um, you know I, I kind of said that you're a super passionate coach. I think, you know, we'll, we're going to have some images on like our show notes and stuff that people will be able to check out. And, um, yeah. I think they'll immediately see from the images of how you coach. I think people, anyone that knows you knows it, but anyone that do doesn't know you, they will quickly understand where that comes from. Um, yes. and, and how that relates overall to what you do. And, um, like you said, some, some coaches have that and some don't, but you are without a doubt after we after I learned that from you, I'm like this, there's no better three words that describe that guy. So it's great that you use that in the interview because um, any coach now that where you're at and, you know, eventually wherever you might be, I think that's something that will probably always be your calling. And yeah. uh, I, I personally like that. So um, I think that's a really good thing to end on. Um, you had a lot of freaking great information. I, I definitely hope that we can get you on again for a second episode. Um, you've mentioned a lot of people that, I've already reached out to too to continue to uh, yeah. get this podcast going. So there's a lot of crossover. I hope people kind of see that too. Um, but I guess one, if you got any one last thing other than the high quality juice, anything that you want to maybe either recommend for um, either other strength coaches or personal trainers or parents or athletes, anything word of wisdom wise that you have from your years of coaching and working with athletics that, uh, the listeners might be able to take on and, and use somewhere else in their life. Oh God. That's a, man, some wisdom. I feel like I need, need some more, some more time spent in the game, but um, I guess really the one big thing that I could, you know, I could, you know, it, you know, say to kind of close this thing off is um, when it comes down to it, man, like, you know, don't be afraid to go bet on yourself. Right. Um, 
because you're going to have, you're, you're going to you know, at some point, if you want to do something worthwhile, you're going to be, you're going to be faced with a couple tough decisions. And for me, it was, um, for me, it was leaving, leaving home for the first time in 26 years to go live uh, in Mississippi and work for free and having no idea what, what's going to come of it. But, you know, I was like, look, if I, if I don't take this chance, there, there might not be another one. And I was totally content that if, hey, if I felt flat on my face and I had to go back to Evansville, Indiana and figure it out from there, that at least I, I gave it a shot. I gave it a fighting chance, right? Um, but the, and, and luckily, you know, in my favor, it worked out. But um, you've got you've got to be willing to, to to bet on yourself and get out of your comfort zone and, and j- just go do it. Um, and there, there are a lot of times on that drive down to Starkville. I'm thinking, God, what am I doing? This is at a time when you know a lot of my friends and and uh, people I, I grew up with were, you know, were deep off in the careers and and had everything going and and had a lot of things that I thought I wanted, um, you know, in my life at that time. And then well, my God, here I am in Starkville, Mississippi. <laughs> I'm 26, and I'm living in an apartment I don't know how I'm going to pay for, uh, <laughs> but. <laughs> I was like, you know what? I'm, you know, we were stringing together some long days, uh, some hard days as interns, but I mean, just getting, just get, getting put through it, right? And 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 earning, earning our our, uh, you know, our right to uh, earning our, uh, um, you know, our uh, our ability to be around these kids and, and to influence them and, and to coach, right? You got to earn your stripes regardless of what you do, and that was how we earned ours um, when we got up in the game, but. Uh, but man, there are a couple of days I'm like, you know, this is brutal. This is rough, but I, I love every minute of this. And that's, that's what I, you know, I've talked to, you know, talked to interns about when they, you know, people that want to think, Oh, I think I want to be up in the collegiate strength and conditioning. And I'm, you know, the first thing I tell them is that, Hey, it's, it's, it's not, it's not easy. It is. If someone tells you it's easy, they haven't been through it. Um, it's definitely not an easy field. And, you know, it, it might look, you know, it might look very sexy on the outside. You're like, man, you're down in the field, and, you know, game day, these big crowds and all this. You're in the weight room, get hyped, you know, listen to awesome music with a bunch of just, you know, wild dudes, um, you know, and, and, and some of the, the best, you know, athletes that, that the country has to offer. But, you know, once you get up in it and you see all the, the very, you know, non-sexy things um, that we have to do, especially whenever you're, you're trying to get your foot in the door and try to earn a recommendation for the next level. If you still think that it's cool and that's where you want to be at, then, then you may be cut out for it. Right. Um, because like I said, I mentioned earlier, the, the, the field has a way of weeding, uh, weeding those out that don't need to be in it. Um, and so I think, but at the end of the day, man, don't, don't be afraid to go bet on yourself because at the end of the day, you're the only one that can do that. You're the only one that can pull that trigger. Um, and, and step out in the arena and, and go. And whether if you succeed, great. If you, if, you know, if you're like, hey, this isn't in the cards, at least, at least you know, right? Um, so that, that'd be the big thing that I can, uh, you know, that, that I can kind of impart before, before we get off here. But uh, quickly, just wanted to take as, you know, anytime I, I have a chance to speak or, um, you know, share information or anything, or any of my, my experiences, I always like to give a shout out to the men that, that have had a massive impact on me. So, Coach Decker, I know I've mentioned him several times. Nick Savage down at the University of Florida. Um, Nate Peoples at Texas. Uh, Riley Allen at Ole Miss with men's basketball. Akeem Robinson at Southeastern University. Derek Leger at uh, UT Tyler. Um, like who else? Uh, Dave McManus, Indiana State. My boss out here, Gary Uribe. Um, you know, all these men have had a, a massive impact. Um, you know, on on uh, me as a coach and, and my development through this uh, through the last you know five, six years. Uh, and I, I wouldn't be where I'm at if I wouldn't have come across those men and, and everyone else that have been on the staffs that, 
um, I've had the pleasure to work with. So just big shout, big thank you to all those men. Um, and, and, and really, you know, really thankful that you gave so much of yourselves. Um, you know, so I would have the opportunity that I do now and hopefully I can make you proud with how I represent myself in this field, um, you know, as it move, as I move forward. So um, big thank you to all those guys. Brandon, big thanks to you, um, you and Adrian for allowing me to, to come in the doors at Thirst and, and, uh, and, and really help shape me as a coach and, and as a lifter and, and as a person too, because, um, you know, I was kind of one of those coaches that like a little bit, not at a dead end, but I was pretty close and I was looking for some answers. Um, and uh, I, I got that and, and then some over at your gym at, at Thirst. And, and I miss, I miss training there every day. I miss being around you guys and the crew um, that we had there, but big thanks to you and, and Adrian and everyone over at Thirst for, for what you've done for me in this journey, man. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, dude. Thank you. We, we miss you all the time. And there's probably not a week goes by that your name doesn't come up some point, at least whenever we're open at the gym and uh we get a lot of questions about our san jose state flag that we have and we just let really? everybody know we say hey man one of the best coaches we know is out there ripping it up so i was like you know, we're we're gonna show them that respect so you know appreciate we appreciate it. you we hope you're doing well and uh once we get this thing up we'll definitely let you know and we appreciate your time dude awesome man anytime you want to chop it up get me back on i'm, I'm always down man just say the word and i'm there all right sounds good take care man all right man we'll see you Thanks for listening to Thirst for More podcast. Give us a follow on Spotify, iTunes, Google, and other streaming services. Feel free to visit our website, thirstgym.com. That's T-H-I-R-S-T-G-Y-M.com. And click on the podcast tab to look over show notes and extra free resources. You can also give us a follow on Instagram at Team Thirst. That's T-E-A-M period T-H-I-R-S-T or you can give me a follow at B Smitley that's B-S-M-I-T-L-E-Y for more updates on future episodes to come. I'm your host Brandon Smitley and we'll catch you at the next episode.